0: This is Michelle Bell, the Editorial Director here at ASI, and I am with David Miller, the President of Chocolate Inn and Taylor & Grant. Good morning, David.
1: I'm doing very well, Michelle. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for making time to chat with us.
1: Oh, believe me, it's my pleasure. I uh, appreciate you uh, asking me to speak, and you know, always nice to uh, engage with you and be able to speak directly to the marketplace.
0: Well, thank you very much. And, you know, David, you and I have known each other for many, many years. You are um, uh, an industry veteran, well-respected in the industry for quite some time, certainly uh, a repeat member of Counselor's Power 50 list. Chocolate in Lanco is on Counselor's Top 40 list as well. And I had a whole list of really great questions to ask you because we just did a fabulous profile on you guys for the October issue of Counselor to kind of talk about, how you guys took over Lanco and, and really you know took a company that was kind of under duress and, and really made it better. But you have some exciting news today, so I want to start with that. David, is there anything you'd like to share with us?
1: Uh, yes, I would, Michelle. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, we signed an agreement. A couple of weeks ago and we've been working towards uh its uh, execution and uh having it be introduced to the marketplace and uh that agreement was with my m M&M. m so my m M&M, and my m M&M m has been um selling uh m&m's of different colors uh imprinted m&m's m&m's with different packaging yep. um all into this industry for quite a bit of time and uh you know we've always had a relationship with mars And they were always very impressed with how we approached the marketplace, whether it be service, execution, um, you know, a bunch of different avenues. And, you know, they felt at this stage in watching how we approached the marketplace, watching how we interacted with our customers, you know, they felt that we would be the best partner. And then pulling back from the promotional industry and having us represent them, you know, into this industry. So starting today, um, my NM is pulling out of the industry anyone who wants some um, M&Ms of different colors, uh, imprinted M&Ms, you know, M&Ms in different packaging, they'll need to get it through us, and we are going to get the orders, we are going to process the orders, will be the customer service arm, will be the sales arm, we'll really be handling every aspect of the sale. Now, M&M, which is based in New Jersey, they will still be producing the product,
0: mm-hmm. so they
1: will be dropshipping the product for us. But aside from that, we'll be handling every other aspect of the sale, um, it, You know, the invoicing, everything from nuts to bolts.
0: Well, that's very exciting. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. So I, I think what I would say to you is, you know, M&M certainly is such a, you know, a, an iconic brand, and one that I would imagine is very protective of their brand. So for them to have selected you guys through which to sell their items into the promo market really says a lot. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about?
1: Yeah, I can. And, and I think, and, and this isn't our first... Uh, dance with some of the major brands in the industry um, Godiva, Jelly Belly and Lint uh, we all have, we have Exclusive arrangements with them. Um, we're the only ones that are allowed to actually promote Godiva and Jelly Belly with, you know, their logos, their brand names on our website mm-hmm. and, and our packaging. And I think that goes to the, to the point of, you know, us being not just a very reputable company within the promotional marketplace, being a very reputable company within the food industry in itself. You know, we are a manufacturer. And uh, like I said, we have had a long relationship with Mars, and I think this is only going to work in the best interest of of all, you know, distributors in in the, you know, promotional world because, you know, I think when you're talking about a retail brand, you know, a lot of uh, end users, they'll come to their distributor, and they'll see something via retail, and they'll want their distributor to be able to um, supply it to them, because they have the relationship with the distributor. They don't have the relationship with the, the link, the, the Godiva, the, the Marses of the world. And I think in us being able to wrap our arms around this brand and being able to offer it, um, and I think this is a very well-known brand and uh, a very well-known form of decoration on M&Ms, I think you're going to find a, a lot of uh, interaction between end users and, uh, and their distributor in trying to facilitate some orders with this brand.
0: I think, I think it's brilliant. I love the abil- that you can have the ability to personalize M&Ms. I think it's a fantastic thing that they did. I've seen them with people's faces on them. I've seen them with logos. The, the color, um, the wide array of colors they have alone, I think is really impressive. And I've seen them used in really clever promotions. So I, I look forward to seeing you guys do wonderful things with them.
1: Yeah, thanks, Michelle. And, uh, you know, like I said, we've, uh, we've had a relationship with Mars for a long time. Um, I mean, while we're introducing it now, I mean, we've been talking about this with, with them for about six months. So it's certainly, while things seem easy once they're introduced, it certainly has taken a, a lot of time and resources to make this happen.
0: You know, it strikes me, David, that this is just another kind of layer in a trend that we're all seeing insofar as brands coming into this marketplace. Can we talk a little bit about other consumer trends that you're seeing as it relates to the promo market, both things that are specific to promo and brands coming into the marketplace?
1: Well, it's interesting that you say that. I have, like you mentioned, I've been in the industry for a long time. You and I have known each other for a long time. I've seen a lot of brands come into this marketplace, and it always seems that at some point or another, they decide to switch gears a little bit and actually develop a partnership with a supplier or vendor in this industry, mm-hmm. because this... this, this industry, this marketplace is not an easy one to understand. It's not an e- If you haven't been in it before, it's much different from retail. It's much different in understanding uh, the distributors and end users' needs, um, the need to ship on time, uh, the need to um, make sure that the logos that are provided are not revised in any shape or form. And, you know, time and time again, I, I've seen a brand come into this industry because you're, you're right. A lot of times when customers are uh, end users are looking to something to, for, from their distributor, um, you know, partners, they're looking for something retail oriented. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it doesn't go together, retail in this industry. And I think when our retail brand partners with a vendor in this industry who has the experience and know-how and how to approach this industry, you know, it's a win-win for all parties involved.
0: I would agree. You know, something I, I've learned from reading the article that uh, John Cargan did, the profile he did of, of you guys, that again is coming out in October's Counselor, and we're going to post that online today. Uh, he interviewed you and Lance uh, Steer extensively. And I was really interested in the concept of kidding, because to me, that's a newer concept in the industry over the last four years, three or four years So, Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. Um, You know, one of the reasons we've, uh, you know, together, Lance and I have acquired a bunch of companies um, over the past 10 years and so forth. And um, Lanco, which is about uh, half an hour away from us, um, became available um, probably about, about two years ago. They were in financial distress. And, you know, we knew the owner, Scott Slade. And, um, you know, this was our first foray into non-edibles and acquiring a non-edible company. And part of the attraction was we felt that there was a void in the industry where there wasn't any real kidding. And when I say kidding, I mean um, kidding, you know, food products, you know, in different bags, mm-hmm. or with drinkware or with candles or with, you know, maybe uh, a tin of mints with a sanitizer, you know, and some lip balm in a little bag. And, you know, we're not just offering kidding, but we're offering a logo to be not just on the actual vessel, but on the components inside. And I think that adds a very attractive and new feature to the marketplace that we're seeing a lot of distributors and their clients taking advantage of.
0: You know, you mentioned Lanco, and when when I had originally approached you guys about, you know, uh, opening up to us about the profile, the reason is because I was so fascinated. It's always so interesting to me when a company comes in and kind of turns around uh, um, a company that's in distress like Lanco was. And I think it's amazing what you guys have done to kind of bring it to the other side, right? So chocolate and Lanco was up 12% last year. How are you guys doing so far this year?
1: We're doing much better than that. We're, uh, well, 12% is nothing to, um, you know, sneer your face at or sneer your mouth at. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're probably up three times that at this point. And I think it's just a combination of, of both companies um, working together, finding each other's um, strengths offsetting setting each other uh, any weaknesses that each other had. And I think together, since we're both also manufacturers, and I think with, you know, you're seeing new tariffs, in effect, um, and, you know, vendors having issues with keeping inventory, I think that being a manufacturer, it gives a lot more, you know, and also your vendors is going direct. I think being a manufacturer offers a a, a different, you know, nuance um, in which it's really helping us gain some traction and grow within the marketplace.
0: You know, again, in the article, the part that was just so fascinating and kind of harrowing to read was not only did you guys take on Lanco, but then Hurricane Sandy hit, right? And you had to deal with that. And, and, you know, there's no other word to use for it, but catastrophe. So can you share, David, some business lessons you and Lance learned as far as, you know, how how to be resilient and how to, you know, rebound and, you know, how to handle it when really you're just looking at complete and utter kind of business devastation and, and what do you do?
1: Well, you know, I, I think you always have to keep your head up and you always, always have to persevere. And you always have to be aware of the fact that no matter what you do, um, from a business perspective, there's always going to be some hiccups that arise. And you just have to dig in your feet and uh, get past them. And I can tell you, you know, in acquiring Lenco, um, there were definitely some challenges. You had a, you know, workforce, well, terrific workforce. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, very aware of the fact that their company was um, going underwater. Yeah. And they were very aware of the fact that, you know, their inventory was vastly um, under. Um, under-capitalized as far as what they need to provide to their customers, and they were demoralized to some extent. You know, plus the fact that we're coming in with, um, you know, we're a, you know, uh, it's a new environment. It's a different environment. And we did all we could to uh, raise their spirits, to, um, you know, wrap our arms around the team, to nurture them, um, to try to mentor them through um, some of the hiccups that um, they had been um, challenged with over the past few years. And, you know, quite honestly, some of them, you know, were so uh, demoralized Mm -hmm. that, you know, unfortunately we felt it was in our best interest to part ways with them. But the people that are remaining now are real uh, A-plus. It's a real A-plus team. We have a terrific, you know, and strong company uh, combined. And we're very excited about the future.
0: So speaking of the future, so for 2020... What sort of, you know, goals do you have for sustaining the growth that you're experiencing? Because with that, David, as you know, again, you've been around long enough, you know, there can, there's some challenges that come with trying to sustain that kind of growth. Once you hit the top 40, I think, and you're looking at, you know, multi-million dollar companies to keep having that kind of robust growth comes with some, uh, again, some challenges. So if you look to 2020, tell me what that looks like for you guys.
1: Well, we continue to add talent, and I think when, um, especially from a sales, customer service, manufacturing standpoint, um, employees, talented employees, see the kind of growth we're experiencing, they want to belong to a company that, that's a winning type of company. So, you know, one of the things we're looking to do is we keep on trying to add talent to our company. The second thing that I've always learned, and more so since we wrapped our arms around Lanco, um, is that inventory is king. So we are very well capitalized, um, and we are spending a lot of money on having um, significant inventory levels, even to the fact that aside from the fact that we produce uh, edibles for a lot of the vendors in this industry, since we're a manufacturer, we now find we're selling blank hard goods to a lot of the um, other competitors, vendors in this industry because our inventory levels are so high. And we're friendly with uh, with most of our competitors, or I'd like to say all of our competitors. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we can help them, we, we definitely will.
0: Mm-hmm. So looking at the industry overall, David, for, uh, for the, let's just say the next two to three years, especially insofar as, you know, tariffs... And things like that are, you know, having a profound impact on the marketplace. If I were to ask you sales, increasing, decreasing, staying the same flat for the industry overall, what's your opinion?
1: Uh- you know i i think think increasing I think that you know this industry uh, if you're looking to increase if you're looking to develop a better footprint in the industry, um, I think two things are important to this industry, which is inventory, and I think from what I could tell um is a, um, you know, timeliness with which you ship and the goods get delivered. Because nobody's looking to go overseas, nobody's looking to go direct when they're looking for something in a quick fashion. And I think the more this industry could be sensitive to the fact, as far as one, two, three-day turnarounds, Mm -hmm. I think this industry will continue to thrive. As if production times start uh, broadening out, i uh, I think that's gonna hurt the industry. I think that customers will start looking if they have to wait that long anyway. they'll start looking for you know different and less expensive avenues in which to pursue
0: well, certainly yeah. I mean look gen Z is used to getting things next day, and I know most of those things that they order on Amazon don't have to be decorated, but they don't make the, there's no they don't make that delineation. You know what I mean, yes. So I think your point is, is is an apt one, that things have to keep happening quickly. Are you concerned at all as far as um, quality suffering? Not with you guys specifically, but overall? I guess my question is, does the industry have to step it up?
1: They, they, they do. I mean, as we've shortened production times, we've definitely had to tighten up processes. Um whether it be on the entering of the order, whether it be um, the execution of the actual decoration uh, or the execution of the manufacturing, yes it definitely it definitely, provo- pro- it definitely um, is more of a challenge when you're shortening production time, and I think the way to get you know past that or actually address that is through um, you know tighter q c um, tighter oversight by the uh, supervisors within each department and a uh, tighter you know process-driven environment
0: gotcha well mr miller again congratulations on uh, (laughs) the deal with my m&ms you know what was the famous story that van halen didn't want green m&ms in their dressing room it was part of their rider i only want green m&ms next time i see you (laughs) 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 done deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, congratulations and I encourage everyone to read the really fascinating profile of Chocolate and Lanco and again, how, you know, the company it's a it's a real case study of a of a company turnaround, a company's resilience, you know, you guys getting hit because of where you're based directly in the in the line of Hurricane Sandy. I mean, actually before I let you go, just Talk about that for a second, David, as far as the level of devastation that you guys had, because I remember reading about it at the time, and certainly you guys go into it in the profile in October's counselor, but it, I just can't even imagine walking in and seeing that.
1: Uh, you know, it was a terrible situation for us. Um, you know, the um, you know we put sandbags all around the night before. Um, having a facility devastated, uh, you know, walking in at 5 a.m., and it looked like a... I would have thought the roof caved in. You know, it was a big facility. It was 60,000 square feet at the time, and uh, there was five feet of salt water in there. I remember seeing a high-low, which weighed about a ton, Mm -hmm. um, uh, dragged, you know, probably... 50 feet across the factory floor, and, uh, you know, it was in the middle of our busy season. It happened the end of October. Um, You know, we were so specific to food at that point. We did a lot of our business, you know, during the holidays in November, December, and it was a very um, challenging situation, and uh, you know what they say, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and, uh, you know, we got past it, plus the fact that around here, yeah. Um. A lot of the electricity was out for, you know, two, three weeks. Yeah. It was hard to get gas. So it wasn't just trying to get the facility back up and running. It's, you know, having a group of employees that they can't really get gas. They yeah. don't have electricity in their houses. You know, it's just a testament to the, you know, the team we have and the perseverance that they, you know, possess towards, uh, you know, writing everything. And, and a lot of our employees have been with us for a number of years, have a lot of seniority here.
0: Well, again, you guys are nothing if not resilient, and uh, it really comes through in the article. So again, thank you for your time today, David. Congratulations on the deal, and I look forward to seeing you guys soon.
1: Great. Thanks again, Michelle. We really appreciate it.
0: Thanks.